You're listening to Alumni Allowed, a new podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career and the advice they would give current students. This series is sponsored by the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development at the Graduate Center. In this episode, we speak with Ivo Vegan, an alumnus from the Graduate Center's Department of Computer Science, about his transition from academia to working as a senior research scientist in the Artificial Intelligence Group for Bloomberg LP, a financial software, data, and media company based in New York City. Evo talks about running his own digital startup while still a student at the GC, how he made up his mind to leave academia, and how working in the private sector can be surprisingly similar to life as an academic. He also talks about how his PhD gives him an edge in the kinds of skills that create value for Bloomberg. He's interviewed by myself, Anders Wallace, a student in the anthropology program here at the GC. Yeah, hi. So yeah, for, let me thank you for uh, inviting me to, to talk on your podcast. So yeah, my name is Ivo Vegan. Uh, I grew up in Zurich, Switzerland, and I'm currently working at Bloomberg as a research scientist in natural language processing. And your academic background, you're a graduate from the CUNY Graduate Center in computer science? Yeah, exactly. So I did my master's at ETH Zurich in theoretical computer science. I continue my studies at the Grad Center of CUNY in in, uh, what is called uh, computational geometry. I graduated last uh, May, so May 2015. So uh, can you tell me how did you come to do the work you're currently in? Yeah, so I mean, I guess as uh, every student, uh, when you get to the end of your PhD, you think about should you stay in academia, do you want to do a postdoc? Or should you go to uh, industry? During my PhD, I went back and forth between staying in academia and, uh, and going to industry. I think the event which uh, ultimately made up my mind for leaving the academia was uh, during my PhD with two of my colleagues. We had a startup for about half a year where we worked full-time on it, and I really liked the speed and the energy you create in this startup world. It's fast-paced, it's like short-term goal-oriented, and sometimes, you know, like especially in more mathematical fields, if you submit a paper to a journal, it takes two years. Some of my papers, two of my papers are still not uh, not reviewed right now, so, you know, it's a very, it's a much slower process, and I think Ultimately, I, I really realized that, yeah, I'm, I, I'm inclined way more towards the fast-paced environment. Mm-hmm. The recruiter contacted my professor, and yeah, she was, she was looking for so-called algorithms engineers. At that point, my professor really wanted me to do a postdoc, and he, and, but the good thing was that he then forwarded me that email, and ultimately, I mean, basically, I got the job through him, so he couldn't be, be mad at me for right. not staying in academia. What was the job? So this was a startup in New Jersey called Driversity. So their idea was that you can use smartphones, especially smartphone sensors, to determine how well somebody's driving a car. So you would install this app and then the app can tell, you know, like whether you do hard brakes, rapid acceleration, whether you're speeding, whether you're in an accident. So that was cool. That was interesting. It was a bit hard to find a business model. I think that was ultimately the problem that, uh, okay, we have to technology now what and I think that happens often in startups where it's easy to hide your your head behind the screen and code 
But once you're done and nobody clicks on your website, it's much harder to know, okay, now what should we do, you know? Yeah, so this was cool for about a year. And then some recruiter contacted me for a uh, consultant type of position at the Bloomberg mm -hmm. at the Natural Language Processing Group. I thought it sounded very interesting. So I went there. Yeah, we hit it off. Then after a few months, they said, hey, do you want to join us full time? Yeah, I mean, I didn't hesitate. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm down. That's, uh, well, that's a great story, though, a really natural trajectory. Could you describe for our listeners, what is natural language processing? Some people might not know. It's an exciting field. Basically, we tackle any problem which come up in uh, algorithms when you try to deal with natural language. So that, for example, I mean, it's in, in its most general form, I guess, what we like to do is we really want to stand the meaning, so the semantics of text. So we want to teach a computer to understand a news article, for example. It really means, for example, now more concrete, one of the subfields is named entity recognition. So that means, like, for example, you have a sentence, I work at Bloomberg, so now named entity recognition is the task of knowing that Bloomberg is, a, is an entity so it's it's some concrete instance in the real world mm. and then the disambiguation comes and there's this second step of named entity disambiguation where now there's person Michael Bloomberg there's a company Bloomberg LP and now you want to know that okay he's not working at Michael Bloomberg but he's working at Bloomberg LP these things of really knowing the object of a sentence and uh. linking it for example against the knowledge base it could be I don't know like Wikipedia is a, is a prominent example where mm. for example you could then if I if I wrote that sentence you could underline it or, or link it through a hyperlink to the correct uh, Wikipedia page I see another task is language translation Google Translate for example question answering so you type mm. in a question and that, that's one thing uh, we, we work on or our partner team the machine learning group works on so you, you type a question and you you're getting an answer one of the cool things is called sentiment analysis oh yeah so for example yeah you go on imdb.com you check out movie reviews and you have an algorithm which tells you which reviews are positive about the movie which ones are neutral which ones are negative about the movie that's so interesting so the applications of natural language processing for bloomberg is dealing with data processing for its own analytics so for so i can give you an example of the project i'm currently working on so this is i would say it's called deduplication in social media so our i mean this, the fastest source of news is is twitter these mm. days so a lot of our news guys they are uh, subscribed to twitter streams and that's where they get their news from now the problem is that if a major event happens there's a lot of redundancy in the twitter feed mm. so so what i'm working on right now is to come up with algorithms which basically do tweets based on the the semantics based on the information they contain so if you have a tweet which contains a certain information a new tweet comes in might be written in a completely different way but semantically similar you, you would suppress this so mm. here the natural language processing helps internally but mm. we also have so maybe I should say that like the I mean what's the product of Bloomberg I go there's, there's Bloomberg news there, there's, there are a couple of, of, of TV shows, magazines, but the core the core product is the so-called Bloomberg terminal, which is omnipresent in the financial world. This is a desktop, you rent it on a subscri subscriber model basis, 
and you have uh, you have access to to all these uh, tools which you can use for uh, I don't know to make up your mind for for for, for investments hmm. stuff like this. And so, for example, what 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 happens is um, so we create, for example, headlines. We automatically create headlines for news stories which we extract from, for example, quarterly quarterly earnings, or we extract the actual price of the stock from from those reports. And this is all automated using machine learning, natural language processing mm -hmm. uh, technology. So this would be an example where actually our technology is not used in house but for the client. So it's That's it's both in house and clients. Yeah. So digest Adjusting and creating information in different formats, language-based formats. That's really, really interesting stuff. What's a typical day like in the office at Bloomberg? Yeah, so I would say it really depends on the on the phase of a project you're in. So, for example, right now I'm with this uh, deduplication task on, on, on Twitter. So I'm still kind of in the research prototype phase. So... I'm reading a lot of papers these days and implementing algorithms which are which look promising. And then ultimately, when we converge to something which and the business side also agrees on or thinks it's useful for them, then we would polish the code. We have huge data volumes, so everything has mm. to be very efficient. And then you deploy it, and then as usual, you know, like things once in a while, something something comes up and you you have to maintain it you have to i don't know maybe tweak it you get some feedback from the from the business side mm. stuff like this but i mean in general in our team we're we're very research oriented so we read a lot of papers we go to conferences we discuss we have like seminars so in that sense like it's quite similar actually on a daily basis to what some uh, PhD students uh, day would look like maybe. That's interesting and this is responsibility for the full life cycle of the product. So that's cool because you learn a lot of different things you know like it's it's not just like okay now you've, you've done this for five years so now you know everything about natural language processing but nothing about databases but soon as your project involves a database then you also need to learn about okay now and how do i integrate the database what's a good way of, of modeling the data dependencies things like this mm -hmm. so yeah i think you 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 become a better all around like a full so so-called full stack programmer yeah interesting stuff what is it that brought you to academia in the first place so my master was quite theoretical, so it was theoretical computer science. And I guess you know, as a in the, as a master student, like you, kind of scratch a bit on the surface of of uh, ongoing research, but you're mostly focused on I don't know, like well-established textbook style of results. Mm -hmm. And I was always fascinated by the complexity of research papers. So when I, a couple of times, I, I had to present a paper in a seminar during my master, and I, I always wonder, like, how do these guys come up with this proof technique? Like, mm -hmm. out of the blue, they, they, they all must be geniuses. And uh, it was more like, a, I don't know, like a challenge, you know, mm -hmm. like, a, I don't know, like a sports competition. You know, yeah. you run in 10 seconds, you want to run in 8.7. Sects. I was like, yeah, I really want to understand this, and it looks fun. I realized that there's a professor at the, at CUNY, Peter Brass, who did work which I was really interested in, in this more like so-called discrete geometry. So, and uh, I ended up there. I was like, okay, let me do one year. Let's see how I like it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I, I 
stayed, yeah. And so you, you talked also at the start about your being in the program, you are always somewhat ambivalent whether to stay in academia or to leave. Can you talk a bit more about that thought process? I mean, for me personally, like by the time I graduated, I was 34. So maybe a bit older than others because I used to, to work before I went to universities. And so I was thinking, okay, I mean, most likely I would have done a postdoc in South Korea one or two years and then some tenure track maybe three years so by the time i would have like a steady income or let's say a steady job mm -hmm. i would be almost 40. so that was one thing which i wasn't too happy about also for me it's very important where i live like uh, for example i only applied to universities in new york city mm -hmm. i mean then if i thought about like okay i want to live in a cool city i want to do my type of research i mean chances are pretty low that i'm going to find this position so i have to compromise one way or another so either i move somewhere where which wouldn't be my first choice and do what i what i want to do or i stay in new york and maybe you know i change my field if i'm about Still, if I'm lucky to find a professor position. Yeah, so we did this startup. Mm. I was very, I was very intrigued by it. And I also realized, like, I think my skill set is more geared towards generality. I mean, it sounds a bit funny saying this after a PhD, but I realized, like, the, yeah, the older I'm getting, like, the more I, I want to explore different areas. And I mean, in, yeah, if I took a professor position, it would be very focused, right? I mean, okay, you publish mm -hmm. this paper, you, you stay very focused. I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, like, with this big, this decisions like i always think like you know ultimately it doesn't really matter like you know at the end of your life i mean if you're cool you're gonna have a good life in academia you're gonna have a good life outside of academia like these big decisions like yeah just make the best out of it i think that's what's hmm. important and it sounds like a also a gut feeling you mentioned that working in the startup you had a feeling of the pace of the work was something you enjoyed like one one thing if yeah i mean if you want to prepare for for working i don't know like in tech or so i mean internships are definitely cool i mean are definitely very useful uh, if if it's a name which people recognize mm -hmm. yeah but doing your own startup you just you're just gonna learn a lot yeah and ultimately i mean even at bloomberg we're very startup -y in the sense that uh, i mean we're agile this is like a term mm. which uh, refers to like how you do project management like we have these two two week sprints you know so it's it's mm. although it's a big big company like we're very startup -y, yeah so what do you enjoy the most about your current work well i guess it's really the fact that we read we implement academic findings so results from papers and we apply it to our business side mm -hmm. and we and this actually has impact on the on the business so it's this nice gap of like or this nice bridge of bringing academic findings into uh, industry or business environment that's pretty cool so you know like you can still nerd out it's a pretty geeky geeky floor we're on like there's a lot of like logician mathematicians complexity theoreticians machine learning people and so on so it's it's really you know it's it has a very academic feeling mm. but at the same time you know like people are kind of aware of okay you know i cannot just sit around here and think at some point you know like there is also internal you know like cost centers mm. and okay they pay for us to to deliver some product to them yeah so you also have to be like business conscious and um, yeah I, I i like this i like this bridge like this this intersection of academia and, and business 
just yeah so that's very re- rewarding i think yeah the rubber hits the road so at some point you all have to pull together and be accountable and be a team and yes, produce something yeah. and make a difference yeah are there other aspects that you like about it it could be anything from like lifestyle company culture yeah i know i mean it's cool it's uh, cool guys like we we have yeah, we have fun together. I mean, I know it sounds stereotypical, but it's 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 actually true. Like we go out, we have beers. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in Austin now, it was five of our team. We're like sixteen people now in our team, and uh, yeah, no, we go out, we we, we laugh a lot during work. Uh, I mean, some guys come in at eleven thirty in the morning. Some other guy comes in at six <laughs> in the morning and leaves at three. Today, I'm working from home because I had a late flight yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I. I guess in that sense, it's similar to academia. I mean, ultimately, nobody cares how many hours you spend in the library. It's more about, okay, where, where, did, you, where did you publish your paper? It's similar here. I mean, like, like now I'm working on this project and, yeah, I mean, you know, people are waiting for it. And yeah, I mean, I can take it easy one day. I mean, nobody, nobody says something, but I mean, uh, you just need to deliver. Has finishing your PhD benefited you in your career, having the degree? For this specific position, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's. Specifically, I mean, you, it's a requirement to have a PhD in uh, because it's a research position. Um, but even without, even if 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 this wasn't a, a requirement, I I mean, yeah, I think what benefited me for now having a PhD for this position is, especially since I'm reading quite a bit of papers, like I'm I'm. I don't know, like you used, you're getting used to the to the jargon. You're getting used mm. to, you know, like you can scam over papers and 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 not only understand them, but also you know assess, like, okay, is this now something trivial or is this something incredibly incredibly no- novel? So the PhD helped. Because now we have all this massive amount of data. It doesn't help you if you, okay, you have the best algorithm, but it takes like two years to train. Nobody cares. So you need to be very efficient. You need to write efficient algorithms. And that's where the whole like theoretical computer science aspect of my PhD comes in, where you actually, you know, like you have provable bounds on the running time of your algorithms and you can say, okay, we can we can apply this algorithm on this problem because by theory, it's going to terminate after, I don't know, two days or, or so. Yeah. So being able to apply theory to cases that have a lot of benefit to to companies like Bloomberg. Exactly, yes, yes. Maybe from your perspective now outside of the university, are there things that you wish you would have learned that could have prepared you for the work you're doing? Yeah, I mean, of course, you can tailor your curriculum towards what companies want. And I mean, that's easy to see. Just go on Glassdoor and see what companies are asking for. Mm. You can definitely do this. But I think you're going to ultimately maybe you're going to regret it because those things once you're in the job you're going to learn it anyway Mm. and but you're not going to now study topology on yourself. <laughs> so there's a bigger picture there in terms of following your passions and the kind of discoveries you can make when you're following your passions may lead you to more enriching discoveries than just targeting what the employer says they need. Yes, yes, yes. That's really good advice. Yeah. I think for, an internship is so important. At least one internship, yeah. If you For think like the credential or for the student to get experience and really understand? Uh, actually both. Actually, honestly, both. Uh, I mean, one thing is, yeah, I mean, if you have, I don't know, like if you have a Google internship on your CV, that that definitely outweighs your, your uh, I don't know, your average grade or or uh, maybe even where you start things like this. But also, I mean, to be honest, 
like, yeah, you learn a lot. You learn a lot. Like we had now this summer, we had a couple of interns and I mean, they changed like over three months, you know, in the beginning, they didn't really know how to, I don't know, like to use all these tools, like mm-hmm. to check. To, to manage code, you know, to, I don't know, like some Linux stuff. I mean, you know, see, I mean, comparably mm-hmm. simple things, but it's just annoying when you start somewhere new and you don't know these things. Also for the employees, like, okay, now I need to spend like three months teaching those things. Like mm. maybe you join a small startup. It's a, it's a long time. You do an internship, you know, like you learn those things. You also learn like, okay, what what does it mean to, to be in a business environment? I think sometimes also, especially if you spend a long time in academia, you might forget, you know, like, okay, Okay, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like a five o'clock meeting is a five o'clock meeting and, you know, we're down to business. Afterwards, you can go for beers and then laugh, whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's be down for business right now. Yeah. What do you know now that you wish you had known as a graduate student? Enjoy the, 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 the student time. I mean, enjoy the freedom you have with, with respect to schedules. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like you're, if you're full time, although, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm really happy every day to go to work and I really mean it. Yeah, I mean, you cannot just say on a Thursday afternoon, I don't know, let's go play tennis or so. Yeah, so really, really, you know, like sometimes you might think like, oh man, PhD is so much work, isn't that? Of course, it's true. I mean, I read, I somewhere I read like, yeah, the cool thing about being a professor, you can decide which 70 hours of the week you want to work in. That's a cool thing. That's a nice thing to have. Um, Other other than that, I think be proactive about things. Like I think in, uh, yeah, when you do grad, graduate studies uh, even maybe if you have like deadlines by your professor it's usually him who reaches out to you and like hey you have any yeah i mean what about the meeting do you have anything to say and this and that it's much better the other way around if you reach out to your team i don't know and say hey guys i you know i came across this really cool technology let me give it like a 20 minute presentation about it mm-hmm. Stuff like this. So be proactive about things. I mean, it's uh, it's a very small effort, but it goes a long way. I mean, it just shows mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, like you can actually prioritize. You, you see like what has to be done yeah. uh, and, and things like this. So, yeah, I think that, that that's something I, I, I just realized like after working mm-hmm. for a while. No, that's very good advice. I think our students can benefit from thinking about being proactive, taking responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, we're constantly hiring careers dot bloomberg.com can apply yeah we have lots of jobs and uh, it's a fun it's a fun environment to to be in that's a wrap for this episode of the alumni allowed podcast coming to you from the office of career planning and professional development at the graduate center be sure to stay tuned for more